Welcome to Truth for Transformation with Timothy Brown. Timothy is the lead pastor of Arden First Baptist Church in Arden, North Carolina. Our mission is to lead ordinary people into extraordinary life in Christ. We pray that today's message inspires you to live an extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. Check out our website for more inspiring resources, ardenfbc.com. Now, here's today's message from Pastor Timothy Brown. Welcome to church. So good to see so many smiling faces and we have a whole army of volunteers preparing the meal even during the service. So let's give them a hand even though they're not here. So a little preview for after the service, we have prepared food for all of you, so we hope you could stay. We have a restaurant, two different restaurants that are catering the food for us, and this is kind of a way to say to the community, we love you, and we're so glad you're here. And it's also a way to thank our members for all that you guys do. You guys have blessed this church so much. And I just want to acknowledge, if you've been at this church more than 40 years, I want you to stand up. 40 years or more. I know Tom and Annette can stand. Let's give them a hand. Thank you. You guys can be seated. Uh, Miss Dot Carter and Henrietta have been here over 60 years. They, they weren't able to make it today. But today is Vision Sunday. Today is where we look back on those like Tom and Dot and Henrietta and Miss Annette and others that have laid the foundation for us. And we celebrate them. We acknowledge their contribution to this church and it's also a time to look forward. So over here I have a pile of, does anybody know how many stones did you count? There's 12 stones over here. And I am going to speak on a passage I've never talked about before, uh, Joshua chapter 4. And it's the story, the miraculous event where God led the children of Israel across the Jordan River. And he's going to tell them to do something with 12 stones. And we're going to look at that passage and we're also going to look at what God's doing right now. And whenever we read the Bible, Old or New Testament, there's always a principle for us today. There's truths that are transferable. So a lot of times we read it like that happened to Joshua. But what about today in 2022? So I'm going to preach on a passage I've never spoken on before. So go ahead and turn your Bibles to Joshua 4. And I'm looking forward to developing this passage with you, looking at it, uh, what it has to say to our generation today. While you turn there, a little history of Vision Sunday. This goes back six and a half years when I first started pastoring here. Many of you weren't here. Um, first service, I asked everyone to stand that we're here, and we had like three people. The rest were all new. So if you were here six and a half years ago, go ahead and stand up. Let's see who was here originally. Let's give them a hand. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. May be seated. So six and a half years ago, for those of you who weren't here, we took ten Wednesday nights. And I had this big eight-foot whiteboard, and we talked about every week, what is the mission of the church? What is the vision of the church? What is the values? And all of our members basically shared their hearts, and whenever they got tired of talking, they're like, okay, what are we going to do next? We knew that they had shared their hearts. We, we went away on a retreat, and we had our elders and our staff just kind of pray. We, we had input from the members, and we developed a vision strategy. And over the years, that has developed as new, new people like you guys have come. And we've had town hall meetings. We've had a lot of different activities and events to kind of bring in what you guys have to say. Because a vision is good, but a collective vision is even better. So what we want to do in days to come, and this is an invitation to you, is that as we go through this year's vision and what God's laid on the church's heart, 
If you had something you would like to add to it, if you, I kind of look at it like a canvas. We're all painting a picture collectively. If you have a paint stroke to add to it, please let us know. And here's how we're going to do that. Three options. One is you could email us. If you're busy and don't have a lot of time, feel free to shoot us an email. We will gather that and look over that. Another thing is if you just want to contribute about a certain ministry, like let's say it's the women's ministry. I probably am not the best person to talk to about the women's ministry, but we'll set up a time with Amy so we can do like phone conversations. And for those of you who really have something you like contribute, like a sit down talk, we invite those as well. So call the church office. We'll set up a meeting based upon what ministry you want to speak into. And we're going to do this over the, the rest of this month as well as October. And the reason why we're doing that is we want to hear from you guys. We want you guys to share. And the theme going forward is making healthy, multiplying disciples. So that's, that's kind of the context. So if you want to start an underwater basket weaving ministry, we'll say God bless you, but that's not part of our vision. You know, We'll pray for you. That can be on your own. So today we're going to look at Joshua 4. So go ahead and turn there. I need to open my Bible here, Joshua 4, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 9 and 21 through 24, so if you will read with me. And it came to pass, when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, Take up for yourselves, how many stones? Twelve stones. From here, from the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm, you shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodged the night. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, cross over before the ark of the Lord, your God, in the midst of the Jordan. And each of you should take up a stone on his shoulder. So notice this is not some small stone. This is like one of these big stones. It's so big you have to shoulder it. Take a stone on your shoulder and carry it over. And notice um, what it says. According to the number of the 12 tribes of Israel. That this may be a sign. Someone say sign. This may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come. What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. Someone say a memorial. And the children of Israel did so, verse 8, just as Joshua had commanded and took up 12 stones from the midst of the Jordan as the Lord had spoken to Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel and carried them over to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. Then Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there to this day. Skip down to verse 21. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in the time to come, saying, What do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. And for the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. As the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he had dried up before us until we crossed over. That all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty. 
that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Let's pray over God's word. Father, your word has been read and it's about to be proclaimed. As we partake of this spiritual meal, we pray that we would not just hear about the 12 stones, but we would ask the question, what stone of significance do you have for us today? What stone of significance are we to carry over? Are we to lay down? Are we to set up as a monument saying this is what the Lord has done in our midst? So, Lord, we ask and pray that your blessing will be upon your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, welcome to those who are here, those listening online. Uh, we, we're so glad you're here. Today is Vision Sunday. And what I want to do, just kind of give you guys a preview, we're going to talk about this passage from Joshua and lay the foundation of stones of significance. And then after that, we're going to look at what God is calling this church to do. How do we apply this to, to our church today? So I want to give you three truths from this passage. The first one is this. God did miracles for the children of Israel, and he wanted them to remember it. He wanted them to remember it. So notice Joshua was called by the Lord to get how many stones? Twelve stones. And each of these stones they were to carry and shoulder and carry across the river. And these stones were symbolic of something. They were symbolic of, symbolic of what God did. And I just want to ask you, what in your life has God done? Hopefully these rocks won't fall. There we go. It's wavering, all right? If it falls, we'll just let it fall. So here's the thing. What has God done in your life that could be considered a stone of significance, a memorial where God moved in your life so much that you tell the next generation? And by the way, we need to tell the next generation because all the studies out about Christianity is what? It's declining. And it's been said that we are one generation from extinction. If we don't share the gospel with the next generation, who's going to hear? They don't, we don't tell them who's going to hear the message. So these are stones of significance, and the purpose of them is so you can tell generations to come, this is what the Lord has done. So if you will go back to Joshua 3, and we're looking at Joshua 4, God had called the people in Joshua 3 to separate themselves, to cleanse themselves, to prepare to meet God to prepare for what God was going to do. And he called the priests to get the Ark of the Covenant. And it was flood season. What season was it? Flood season. What happens in flood season? The water overflows the banks. And God asked them to do the most ridiculous thing from a human perspective. He said, I want you to go, and the Jordan River is overflowing. I want you to step your feet in the raging waters. Now, that didn't make logical sense, right? I step in these raging, muddy waters. But God said, I want you to go. I want the priest to lead the way. And I, as soon as they step their feet in the waters, Joshua 3 tells us what happens. The Jordan River, way up the river, it stood up as in a heap. And that allowed two to three million plus children of Israel to cross over on dry water. You can imagine two to three million people crossing over the Jordan River. And here's the principle I want you to get. Sometimes God is going to call you to take steps of faith. And sometimes these steps of faith will not make sense. But he's calling you to take that step. Some of you are planners. You've got the next few weeks planned out. How many of you have the next few months planned out? Raise your hand. I see my planners. How many of you still use the block calendar? Every hour is laid out. Nothing wrong with that. That's good. Others of you are like, I can never live like that. Some of you are planners. And it's hard for the planners because you want every step calculated and laid out. But sometimes God will tell you to take a step of faith even when it doesn't make sense. 
So God is calling them to take this step, step out and lay these 12 stones because I'm going to do something that's going to blow you away. I can look back at my life and I can think of stones of remembrance where God told me something. It didn't make sense. I didn't have the resources. I didn't have the money. I didn't have whatever. And he told me to step out. One was education. I, I had no money for college. And there's some college students here that you're with me. But each step of the way, God told me to step out. And every, every step he provided. In my last uh, educational opportunity, my wife and I at the time had four kids. We now have five. But I'm like, baby, I want to go and get my doctorate. And she's like, well, we don't have the money. We have four kids to feed. I said, I know, I know. But what if God provides? And she's like, well, if God provides, you can do it. I'll, I'll let you get away, do whatever you need to do. So one of my Bible studies I lead in another town had a gentleman came up to me and he said, the Holy Spirit told me to pay for your doctorate. And I'm like, really? I didn't, didn't ask him, didn't ask him to do it. He said, God laid it. So every year he wrote me a check and I was able to get my doctorate debt free. And that, that, that's, like, that's a crazy step. Uh, three years ago, uh, Lord laid on my heart to reach out to Joe and Amy Perry. And at the time we didn't have the money. We were a church that was, you know, growing, but we just didn't have the resources to add another staff member. And we had a visitor at the church, not a member, only been here a few Sundays. This visitor, she pulled me aside and said, what do you need to take the church to the next level? And I said, well, do you really want to know? She said, yeah. I told her, she's like, how much is that going to cost? I was like, do you really want to know? She's like, yes. So she said, I will pay for his salary for two years. So one person wrote a check for Joe to come, paid the majority of his salary for two years until the church could afford him. And every stone that we lay, it doesn't make sense but God comes through. So some of you that know me may think sometimes my faith is a little crazy, a little reckless. It may come across that way. But here's the thing. I've walked with God for 25 years in the ministry. And I've seen God, whenever he calls you out, there is always provision for the vision. Whenever God calls your name, your job is not to say, I can't, or what if. Your job is to step into that river in flood season. Your job is to step out. And trust that God will provide. Can I get an amen? So here's the principle I want you to write down. It's in your listening guide. Faith comes before what? Faith comes before sight. So don't wait for everything to fall into place before you take your first step of faith. Instead, take your first step of faith after God calls your name and tells you to move. So the question I want to ask you is who is willing to take a crazy step of faith when God calls your name. Who's willing? I hope by the end of the service, all of us are saying, I'm in, all in. Truth number two, God called the leaders to lay stones of significance that would impact future generations. Notice in verses four through seven, he gives some verbs. He says, cross over. A lot of you are on the other side of your Jordan River. God wants you to cross over. But some of us are too busy are not busy. We're just sitting on our blessed assurance saying, God, when you tell me, I'll get up. And God's called you, but you're like, I don't know if that's God. Is that the pizza aid? Is it God? And, and God's telling you to get up. He's telling you to get up and cross over. The Jordan River symbolizes an impossible situation. It's during flood season. You can't cross over. At this time, historically, the Jordan River, it flowed as deep and wide as a mile wide during flood season. Think about a mile wide. So what impossible situation is God calling you to cross over? Notice the next verb in the text, not only cross over, 
But he said, take up. I want you to take up 12 stones, each from the tribes of Israel. Take it up. And here's the thing. There's some work involved. When God calls you to do something, you have to take up the stone. Jesus, in Luke 9, 23, he says, if anyone desires to follow after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross. Right. We don't like that word in American Christianity. A cross symbolizes the electric chair. It symbolizes you dying to yourself. So if we want to get to where God's calling us to go, we have to cross over. We have to take up. And notice he said, set up to Joshua. While all the leaders were there. A lot of you are worried. Is it going to fall? It might. But it's a commercial break if it does. While all of you are thinking about the stones, God says, okay, take 12 leaders. They're going to, they're going to lay a stone down. But Joshua, you're going to be the one that sets it up. So here's a principle I want you to get. When God does something significant in the earth, he always calls a leader to lead the charge. He always calls the leader to take that next step and to say, listen, guys, this is something that God did. And we've got to set up a monument to recognize these 12 stones. And by the way, there's something in the text I had never saw before. Did you know there's two sets of 12 stones? Anybody know that? If you look at verses 8 and 9. They set up the 12 stones on the other side. And then it said Joshua went to the very place where the feet of the priests were. And he set up 12 stones in the middle of the the Jordan River bed. And it's like, why would there be two sets of 12 stones? Right? I knew about the one set, but why the 12? Well, the first set across the other side symbolizes the future. We are going into new territory. We're taking new ground. God is calling us to move forward. We are entering into the promised land. We're going to do great things for God. We cross the Jordan River. We're we're on the verge of a move of God. The second set of rocks in the middle of the river, I I just asked the question, why? What, What would be the point of that? Because when the rivers came back down after the miracle, guess what? You couldn't see the rocks anymore. But when it wasn't flood season, when the tide was low... In the low points of life, in the seasons when the river didn't flow so deep, perhaps the 12 stones could be seen. And sometimes in your low points of life, some of you suffer from depression. Some of you are dealing with anxiety. Some of you have lost a loved one. And right now the river is flowing low. So the question is, do you have a set of 12 stones in the middle of your river crossing that you can erect to remember the goodness of God? Do you have a history with God to, to remind yourself that God is with me in the past? He's going to be with me in the future. Amen. Number three, the third truth today is the children of Israel move forward with the mission of God in their lives. They move forward. So here's the thing. They did just as Joshua told them. They moved forward and, and God had a plan. And here's something I want you guys to think about. There was more than one miracle that occurred in this passage. We know the Jordan River standing up in a heap was a miracle. But have you ever thought about the mud in the middle? Have you ever thought about the muddy riverbed? Because if they had just crossed over on muddy ground, they would have been stuck, right? So the second miracle that maybe we didn't think about in this text or talk about is God had to dry up the mud. Think about that. The water had been there for hundreds of years. It was very muddy. So the second miracle is God dried up the mud in their crossing. So here's something I want to speak to you guys by way of application. Some of you guys are in the middle of a crossing 
God has called you to something, but all of a sudden you got stuck in the mud. Like there's mud in the middle of your miracle. Have you ever been called to do something for God and you just get stuck? You know, something happens and maybe the sixth grade youth class, a a student goes off and you're like, I didn't expect it to be this hard. You got stuck in the middle. You you set up a nonprofit to, to help, you know, the less fortunate and the money has not come in yet. You're stuck in the middle. So I want to encourage you, just because there's mud in the middle of your miracle doesn't mean God's not going to come through. You've got to ask God for the second miracle, and that's to dry up the dry up the mud. So some of you are on a river crossing. You haven't arrived to the other side because there's mud in the middle of your miracle. But if you'll just look to the God that dries up riverbeds and dries up the mud, he will give you the opportunity to cross over to the other side. Look at the person next to you and say, dry up the mud. God's going to do it. Dry up the mud. All right. So that brings us to these orange booklets I want you guys to take out. What stone of significance will you lay for future generations? What is it? And here's the thing. Jesus already gave it to us. It's really simple. I'm I'm so glad that ministry is not so super complicated. It can be hard, but it's not complicated Jesus' last command is our first priority. What was Jesus' last command in Matthew 28? What did he say? He says, go ye therefore into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And by the way, there's only one imperative command in that great commission. It's make disciples. The other ones are supporting. How do you make disciples? By going, by baptizing, by teaching. And he says, and surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So here's what I want to get about the Great Commission. If the Great Commission has become the great omission in your life, it's time for you to team up with Jesus because he's with you. He said, I'm with you to the end of the age. So it's not just a mission, but it's a commission. Look at the person next to you. Say it's co. You're not doing this alone. It's you and Jesus. He's with you. He's with you to the end of the age. So here's the thing. Jesus gives us the who. Who are we to reach? He said all nations. He tells us what we're to do, where to teach, where to go, where to baptize. He tells us where to go. Where should we go? Everywhere, right? But he leaves out the full how. Okay, Jesus, how are we to go? Are we to fly? Are we to go on train? Are we to walk? Are we to ride on donkey? How are we to go? Okay, he tells us to baptize. Okay, where are we to baptize? In the Jordan River? We'd have to go to Israel if that was the case. Are we to baptize in a swimming pool, in a baptistry? How? He tells us to teach. How are we to teach? Big group, small group, online. Is it okay to tweet your teachings, Jesus, on Twitter? Can we tweet your teachings? Is that that it? So Jesus gives us the who, the what, the when, the where. But he doesn't fully explain the how. Look at the person next to you and say, why is that? I think there's a few reasons. One is you are created by the creator to be creative for the creator. God made you in his image and he didn't make robots. And every human race, there's only one, but every tribe and tongue and language, culture is the word I'm looking for. They're going to have different ways of understanding So you have to be missional to them. You have to learn to speak their language. So I want to make a statement, and I hope you guys will register it in your soul. 
The gospel never changes, but the methods have to change. We have a message that never changes. The Bible remains steadfast, but you've got to learn to speak the language of the people. So your neighbor, there may be a different way you connect with them, but you still give them the same Jesus and the same gospel. Does that make sense? So something Andy Stanley says that I don't agree with everything he says, but this one point has st- stood with me. He says, you want to marry the mission and date the model, pun intended, marry the mission, date the model. So many churches are struggling because we marry a model, but we date the mission. The mission is to make disciples. The model is how you do it. So what I want to encourage you at Arden First Baptist, we believe all 66 books in the Bible. We believe them so much, we even believe the maps in the back. That was a joke. You can laugh. (laughs) But we believe all 66 books. And though the Bible does not change, our methods have to change in order to reach the next generation. Because these stones are significant. Fathers, you're going to teach your kids, what do these stones mean? And it's transferring the truth to the next generation so they can receive it. So this orange booklet is their attempt at doing that. So I just want to kind of go through that. And hopefully your stomachs are getting hungry. Because as you partake of the spiritual meal, we have amazing food being prepared for you right now. Catered in. It's ready. How many of you are ready to eat? All right. So let's look at this booklet. Go ahead and open it up. To those online, you can just follow along with us. Our mission is the Great Commission restated in our own words. Our mission is to lead ordinary people into extraordinary life in Christ. I hate to tell you the news, but you're pretty ordinary. And so am I. But when Jesus enters your heart, he adds the extra to your ordinary, making you extraordinary. So look at the person next to you and say, you're extraordinary. Husbands, you get bonus points with your wives if you tell her that. Baby, you're extraordinary. So what we're trying to do is take ordinary people and introduce them to Jesus. Our mission at the church is disciple making. So I'm going to give you a new definition of discipleship. And this is the heart behind this hand, this, this booklet, everything we do. I want you to write down, look, live, live, look, live, live. This is not on your notes, but write it down. Look, live, live. This kind of fell out of the sky on Friday and I shared it with my kids and my wife and They kind of liked it, so I'm going to share it with you. What is a disciple? A disciple is someone that looks like Jesus. A disciple is someone that lives like Jesus. And a disciple is someone that lives for Jesus. Okay, I'm going to add another layer. So if you're taking notes, you can write it down. A disciple is someone that looks like Jesus in their character. Someone say character. They live like Jesus in their conduct. Someone say conduct. And they live for Jesus in their calling. So they look like Jesus in their character. They live like Jesus in their conduct. And they live for Jesus in their calling. If you want to summarize that to make it very simple, a disciple is a follower of Jesus who multiplies him or herself. Healthy disciples reproduce. So what we're doing of this is that's that's our goal and we're laying out goals for the church. But what we're going to do in upcoming days and you guys pray for us and I love your contribution. We want to try to individualize it to you. How how do you become a disciple? What does that look like for you to operate in the fruit of the spirit? What does it look like for you to be a Romans 12 Christian that you're surrendered and you're humble and you're you're devoting yourself to God and you return evil with good? What does that look like? What does it look like to practice the holy habits, the spiritual disciplines? So that's an upcoming day. So if you're a visitor, come back next week. We're starting a new series called Holy Habits.
So the vision, let's look at the vision. We are one family in many locations. And you're like, Timothy, I just see one location. Well, you're not seeing far enough. Right now, while we're online, Randall and his family send you the greetings from the Bahamas. They're in the Bahamas right now. They're having Arden First Baptist in the Bahamas. So greetings. They're laying on the beach somewhere. Who knows? Uh, we have people that listen from other states and other countries. So during COVID, Arden expanded outside of Arden. And part of our vision as we grow, this is our five-year goal, is healthy things multiply. So for those of you who weren't here 10 years ago, 10 years ago, the church got down to 40 people and we were about to close. And since then, God has revitalized this church and done a work. And part of our heart is we want to adopt another church that we can help what God do here replicate there. And you're like, what does that look like? Well, the idea is we would empower them. We would encourage them to teach through books of the Bible verse by verse and to evangelize their community. And what God has taught us here, we want to help others there. So if you know a church in this area that's about to die, we don't want them to close. It's kind of like a flickering light. We don't want that light to go out. You know, the little song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I view the church as a collection of lights. And when the lights get fewer and they start to flicker, they're in danger of going out in that community. But our job is to stoke the fire of these lights, these churches. We want every Bible-believing church to thrive. Amen? So, let's turn the page. What is our vision? We're on the next page. Let's go ahead and turn to the vision slide. What we did is we drew a five-mile radius around this church. And we have so many new people moving into the community. For those of you new, we say, welcome to Arden. And we determined that there's about 60,000 people that are coming into this area. There's, I think last time the demographic was 58, but we went and ran out of the 60 because it was, it's growing. So we, we had as our mission, if our mission and mandate is to make disciples, well, how do you measure that? You know, it's easy to say we want to win people for Christ, but how do you know if you did or not? You've got to have goals to measure. So what we did is we said our goal by the end of 2026 is to reach 1% of 60,000. You're like, that's not a lot. I know, but if we do our 1% and the church down the road does their 1% and all the churches do their 1%, guess what? We could reach the entire community. It's not just us alone. It's us partnering with other churches. So if we reach 1% of 60,000, someone tell me how many that is. 600 people. And it's not numbers for numbers sake. We're, these are lives. Every number represents a person. Every person represents a story and every story matters to God. So once they're here, we set a goal of four things for them to be about. And I mentioned the underwater basket weaving. That's not part of it, so you won't find that in our vision. But four things. The first one is active in worship. We're encouraging everyone not to be a CEO Christian. What is that? They attend church on Christmas and Easter only. And if that's you, we want to say welcome. But listen, there's a lot more than Christmas and Easter going on. Whenever you miss church... You miss church. I mean, God is moving. So our goal is not to build an audience. Our goal is to build an army. And when soldiers don't show up for duty, the army suffers. So we need your gift in this church. We need you to be a part. And something what COVID has done, it's separated people where now they attend church less frequently. It's just the, the people that used to come weekly come twice a month. People that used to come once a month come now once a quarter. So we're saying, listen, the Bible says don't forsake assembling but encourage one another. We're, we're, we're a team. We're not an audience. We're an army. We're not measured by our seating capacity. We're measured by our sending capacity. Amen? All right, you can tell I'm getting fired up here. All right. 
So the next one is connected to community. That's a group, small group. People will come into this church and say, Timothy, I came in this church and I haven't met anybody and no one knows my name and no one, no one welcomed me. And the question I asked them is, are you part of a small group? And if you're not, it's kind of like that song, looking for love in all the wrong places. I mean, this is good, but a crowd is not the place to find intimacy, okay? I guarantee if you get into a small group and you, you attend more than one week, okay? Don't just give it one a week. You're going to get to know people's names and their stories. So we want to get people in a group. Third is once you're connected and you're in a group, we encourage you to serve and to give. If you're not serving, you're swerving. If you're not serving, you, you get off track because God has gifted, gifted, gifted you with a gift. You have a stone of significance to lay down. But if you're not going to lay down your stone of significance, how are you going to impact present and future generations? And then one of my favorites, and this is John Anthony's favorite. John Anthony, where's John Anthony? He's in the back. Is we challenge the church to have a thousand gospel conversations. One thousand. Some of you are like, that's too many. But listen. Out of our active attenders, if just 100 participate and you do one a month, you'll do more than 1,000. So how are we doing on this? How are we doing with worship? This year, we set the goal of 400 active in worship. And connected with community, we set the goal for um, 20 small groups by the end of the year. For people serving and giving, we set the goal of 200. And then the last one, 1,000 gospel conversations. So how many of you are wondering how we're doing? This is kind of the checkup. Are you guys ready? I have some good news and some bad news. Well, there's really no bad news. It's just a challenge. We can step it up. So buckle your seatbelts. We're going to play a video. This is their discipleship dashboard. All right, here's where we're at. Let's go and play it. Not quite there, but getting there. to go in conversations. All right, where's Mike Jamison at? Where's our car guy? And Bryson, did you like that? <laughs> All right, so here's the thing. We've got a long ways to go. We're not where we're at, but the goal is, is we want to set goals that seem almost unrealistic. And groups, you know, we're just like five or so away. I think I think we can add more small groups and people were reaching for worship. It's been mind blowing of how many new people are starting to come. Like God is truly blessing and moving and gospel conversations. If you need help in that department, we've done trainings in the past. We plan on doing trainings in the future, but contact us. We will have a, a sit down talk with you. So I'm going to give you a few stories about this at work. Uh, I mentioned John Anthony. I didn't tell him I was going to use him, but I, sometimes it's easier to ask forgiveness and permission, right? Just kidding. John won't mind me sharing this, but this week in Ingalls and Fletcher, is that right? Ingalls and Fletcher. John Anthony gave a track to a worker there and they had some people come in so he couldn't really talk to him. By divine appointment, John was there, I think another time or later, and that person was in the parking lot. And John's like, divine appointment. So he goes over to the, the young man and the young man had read the gospel track, and John was able to lead him in, in the sinner's prayer to accept Christ. In the Ingalls parking lot, let's give the Lord a hand. 
Another story, uh, this Easter we sent out 30,000 postcards. How many of you got a postcard? Yeah, so one of the stories, we got someone in our midst here, and Kristen won't mind me sharing, but she came, right? We got the postcard, and what happened? Gave her life to Christ and was baptized. Let's give her a hand. So part of, part of this, just to explain, we have a certain fund called the Vision Fund. And this helps us add fuel to this, to, to do things like Fall Festival we're doing today. It's not cheap, right? We're doing it all for free, but it, it, it funds the vision. We're, we're trying to reach out. And so on a side note, if any of you guys want to fund some of the outreaches and opportunities we're doing over and above your tie, that's the Vision Fund. That allows us to do things that we had not budgeted and things over and above the, the normal call. So what I want to do is kind of close. Let's throw up the big idea of today on, on the scripture to bring it back to Joshua. What can we learn from this? And what can we learn from the great commitment? It's this. God has given you a stone of significance that has the potential to impact generations to come. So I just want to ask you, what is your stone? What are you laying down? Some of you may be media specialists. Maybe your goal is to help us get the gospel out on Insta and Facebook and Snapchat, teenagers that have that. I don't have Snapchat, but, you know, some of you are engineers and you have brilliant minds. Maybe your goal is to develop a strategy where we can reach more people. Some of you are prayer warriors and maybe your stone of significant significance that you're laying down is I'm going to be a prayer warrior. I'm going to, I'm going to pray. Everyone has a stone to lay down. I don't know what that is, but I want to ask you to lay down your stone, lay down your stone of significance so that you can impact generations to come. Amen. I'm going to lay this here because it will fall if I keep doing it. And by the way, these stones, if, if this message registered with you and you're like, I'm going to lay down my stone, take one of these stones with you. We'll help you carry it out. It's a little heavy. You may have to shoulder it. But seriously, it could be a prop you can put in your garden. I wouldn't say put it on your dashboard because it would weigh down your car a little bit. But we all need to lay down a stone. All right, let's look at our action steps. Engage with the Great Commission. How do we contextualize this message from Joshua 4 and Matthew 28? Jesus didn't give us a suggestion. He gave us a commission. So all of you are commissioned by Jesus. You're commissioned. But you're not doing it alone. Who is with you wherever you go? Jesus is with you. All right, action step number two. Commit to use your stone of significance to impact generations to come. So I just, I want that to register with you. What, what, what are you doing that's going to impact the future? What in your life is rubbing off on the next generation? If you don't have an idea, let's set up a time to talk. Because I guarantee you have a stone that can impact the next generation. It may be a story. It may be your testimony. It may be a spiritual gift. I don't know what it is, but lay it down. And finally... This is an invitation to join our church family. If you don't have a home church, listen, God, we're just on the, the starting point. Like we just went through COVID and went through a lot, but we're on the starting point of what God is about to do. I can see it. Can you see it? I just, I'm so excited. I wish I had another 30 minutes to speak vision, but we're out of time. So let me pray. Father, we are super excited. We are on tiptoes of ex- expectation that you're doing something in this church. That God, we're seeing people get saved and baptized. We're seeing lives transformed. We're, we're seeing people step out of darkness into light, going from death to life. And God, we're just thankful to be commissioned with you, that you're, you're with us. 
And right now, I just want everyone praying, no one looking around. I want to talk to believers first. No one looking around. How many of you would say that you have a stone of significance, some part you could play in this church? And you're, just, you're willing to lay that stone down for the next generation. If that's you, just raise your hand. Lord, you see the hands up. And right now, I'm going to commission you in the name of Jesus to do so. Whatever God's put on your heart, cross that Jordan River. Cross that Jordan. Some of you may be stuck in the mud in the middle, but ask God to drive the mud. Ask God to take away the hindrances that are keeping you from reaching your redemptive potential. That are keeping you from serving the Lord. You can put your hands down. There may be one here today that, you know, all this sounds exciting, but you've never given your life to Jesus. Like, you've never asked Jesus to save you. You've never asked Jesus to cleanse you and wash you and make you new. And the gospel is this, that Christ died on the cross for your sins. In your place, he died for you. Substitutionary, in your place, he died for you. And he rose the third day. But if you've never given your life to Jesus, this is an invitation. Invite Jesus to save you. This is the invitation to invite Jesus to come into your life and to forgive you. If you've never done that, I just want you to slip up your hand. No one look around, just me looking. If you've never done that, raise your hand. I want to, I want to accept Christ today. Today's the day of salvation. Don't delay. Don't wait. Anyone at all. I need to accept Christ. If that's you or you're watching online, I want you just to pray a prayer of faith. Just tell Jesus, say, Jesus, I believe. Go ahead and tell him, I believe you died and you rose again. And Jesus, I place my faith in you and you alone. Please come into my life, Jesus. Please forgive me for all my sins. I turn from them and I turn to you. And Jesus, I choose to be your disciple. I choose to follow you from this day forward. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, please let us know. Father, we lay down our stones of significance. And we give you thanks for all that you've done and all you're going to do. And all God's children said, amen.